0: Hello and welcome back to the Southwest Tech Daily podcast, your go-to source for all things tech in the yes, Southwest. I'm Robert Hillier and joining me as always is the one and only Fayaz Khan.
1: Hello and thank you. This month we're diving into the exciting world of startups and the incredible challenges they face while getting off the ground.
0: And what a treat we have in store. We'll be chatting with E Cole and Sophie Calienda, the masterminds behind Cognition Learning, an amazing Cornwall startup that came out of COVID in 2020.
1: So they actually started the venture as a club during the school holidays. Their main goal was to make kids fall head over heels for STEAM
0: subjects. STEAM, of course, stands for science, tech, engineering, art, and maths. And with a teaching background, they also wanted to inject some serious play, fun, and some skill building into these subjects that the UK is a little bit behind in.
1: And let me tell you, their sessions are now rocking schools all across Cornwall. Cognition Learning is growing stronger by the day.
2: Anyone who lives in Cornwall, and especially where we live in North Cornwall, it's so, so remote. a lot on offer in terms of outdoors activities Mm, if you like walking, surfing, swimming but there's not a lot else on offer for children and we just wanted to fill the gap in the market initially. I think there are some really passionate head teachers
3: out there who are really keen to get STEAM-based learning but also fun playful learning back into the curriculum but obviously they've got to do it within the confines of the current
1: curriculum demands as well. That was the incredible duo, Sophie Calienda and Bryony Cole giving us a sneak peek into their amazing journey. We've got more from them in just 15 minutes, but before that... Come and join the conversation conversation conversation. on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Southwest Southwest Tech Daily.
0: Hold on to your headphones because we have the awesome Dan Pritchard from Tech Southwest joining us to talk about Growth Forge. This incredible initiative offers precise and targeted business support for both growing and established businesses.
1: That's right. If you sign up, you get paired with expert coaches and specialists who help you develop and implement proactive strategies to help grow your business.
0: And it's not just off the shelf. It's dynamic and tailor-made just for your business and includes strategy, leadership and commercialization. Yes, how to make money.
1: Let's hear more about it straight from Dan.
4: Yeah. So firstly, it's not just startups. We love the idea of, of mixing it up. We've always liked that across Tech Southwest and, and the fact that we cover a, a kind of big region. We like joining the dots in different ways, getting different people in the room. So there will be cohorts around startups, but there'll also be cohorts and support for bigger companies, you know, scale ups. But also those companies that don't really sort of fit into the model for typical business accelerators who sort of think, is that for me? Is that is that am my growth company? Because actually they're often the companies that are sitting on opportunity, around productivity and innovation, but aren't realising it. So we um, we have places for all those different types of companies. We have bursaries to support startups and for positive impact tech like uh, sustainability, climate science, uh, environmental um, tech, health well-being, because there's a whole gamut of those out in the region that we're super excited about. We saw some of them at the Tech Southwest Awards last year. So the idea is this is a programme, cost-effective, easy to access, and we've built it with Uh, a set of growth coaches and partners uh, from across the region. And I guess it's deliberately not, not a one size fits all. Um, in terms of there's an assessment companies do uh, in terms of before the the growth days on nine key uh, areas like market awareness, commercialization, innovation, leadership, etc. And because and through that, we can then get a sense of what their priority areas are, the areas of opportunity. And then they will, we will hone in, we will build teams around.
1: You're right. It's all about making the connections. And the fact that you're going to have so many different types of companies there, learning from each other is going to just enhance each one's abilities.
4: Imagine being a tech leader, it can be a lonely job at times, surrounding you with brilliant tech coaches, experts, whether that's from Microsoft, Ashford's Bishop Fleming program, Sandler, you know, sales experts, but also specific growth coaches, former CTOs, CEOs in tech, you know, putting two or three of those with you to help you build your growth roadmap for 2024. So I'm really super excited about that. And I love the fact that, you know, bringing in different types of companies for the first time, I think it's gonna really elevate this because we know, you know, it's, it's it's that connection and the joining the dots and that learning from each other as well, the peer-to-peer bit, which is really super, super important for our tech leaders to kind of understand the pitfalls, uh, the dead ends, uh, so they can start to accelerate that, um, you know, making the right choice on the right path. So we've got the first applications coming in, it's now open. Uh, for entries. And we really look forward to working with these companies and getting a lot of insight from that and learning uh, from that as well ourselves.
1: But also, I wanted to know more about the people you have helping you with Growth Forge. I know, notice you have a whole panel of experts. Can you tell us a little bit more about them?
4: Yeah. So on the partner side, we will have Microsoft helping around the technology and the innovation side. Bishop Femming, Pippa Clark, and the technology team there. And I won't list them all, but you know, there's some of these partners we've worked with for several years now. Others, the new ones like Sandler, we wanted to, to sort of have organizations whether big or small, but, but committed to the region with a track record working with companies and specifically tech brands. So we have all those partners. So. The idea is we don't overwhelm the companies. So having done that growth assessment tool, we pick on your one or two priority areas. So it could be around you know developing your brand, developing your sales pipeline, working on your tech stack, working on some innovation, working on your leadership, whatever it might be, and putting you with that, that partner for that and giving you kind of credits to spend on one-to-ones sessions and rolling into mentoring. And then we have this super group, as I describe it, this super group of coaches, people like Andy Clark, Matt Jones, Ruth Ferenga. So they are experts and people will recognize some of these names. Check out on LinkedIn. They're across the whole of the Southwest. One or two national with expertise in working with companies, some of them are specialists in, in startups, some of them are specialists in, in sort of bigger organizations and some are real specialists in that transition, you know, as, as these companies are scaling. We've deliberately picked uh, a, a set of eight of those who will work with certain types of companies. So imagine being able to plug in to an expert who's who perhaps built their own tech company, CTO and across what's going on with AI, that kind of stuff you know, on your doorstep in in a sort of a regional-based business accelerator open to all types of tech companies. You you know, not many of those exist, actually. You have to go to London or you have to be a certain type of company on a certain type of journey. So I think that's the magic of it. Wherever you're at, you know, you want to progress. If we can understand where you're at, we can then help you progress. You know, that's the beauty of it.
1: That's amazing. I mean, this is, like, seriously good value for money, I think, just, you know, having this one-to-one with highly qualified experts to help you with your business and then i also noticed that you you mentioned as well about the bursaries how easy is it for a company to get the bursaries
4: well they just have to tick the box on the form i mean you know we are looking for those exciting companies you know in terms of tech self has always been about that you know the awards uh, whatever it might be through this podcast just celebrating those stories so the companies that are trying to make a positive difference you know put it in the you know put it in your application form the boxes are there and just say yes please I'd like to apply because you know one of the things we Microsoft and the other partners are clear about they want to champion and help elevate those companies you know, making a difference and the southwest is full of them you know we saw a huge rise in a number of entries last year's awards for the tech for good category you know it's just going up and up the sustainability category is going up and up so across the region bristol bath um you know those tech for good companies you know there's, there's more and more of them with there's sort of social focus community focus but health tech is massive you know the blue green economy the environmental tech marine the, you know agri-tech food production something big fundamentals around the planet and climate and and, and resourcing uh, and solving some of our biggest fundamental issues we have as, as a society and as a planet. That work is happening right now in the Southwest. So we want to support those companies. So one of the things is through the bursaries for those types of companies, as well as for startups, but also ring fencing a quarter of all the places again, for those type of companies so that we can have those. You know, I think they can learn a lot from each other, I would hope. But also other companies, you know, not on that journey, uh, you can probably be inspired and learn from them as well. So that's definitely why we want them in the mix and want to hear from those type of companies.
1: Amazing. And are there any, you know, you mentioned that there were applicant uh, applications coming in already is anyone or are there any companies where you think you don't have to say their names but the industries that they're in maybe that you think yeah this is exciting can't wait to get on yeah, that
4: i mean i mean absolutely it, it, it is we've got a couple of kind of companies that are- or sort of immersed in AI, one that's quite a specific niche, one that's kind of more generous and sort all of about democratizing AI and focusing on the trust factor around that and what it can do for companies that are, uh, are non-AI, non-tech sort of enabled in that sense. So that, that's really interesting to have those type of companies. You've got very kind of specialist ones around health tech, you know, some really early stage sort of seed stage ones, but also, you know, some the growth stage now, sort of, you know, million pound plus turnover and, and looking on that, on that scale up journey. Augmented reality company in there. Uh, Some sort of software companies, you know. um, I like the mix, you know, and it's at very early stage, you really. We've launched it after Christmas and now uh, they're starting to come through. And the the thing that comes across on all their applications is they've got a passion for this, not just ticking over. You know, if you want to be part of Growth Forge, you've got to have a passion for where you're heading and what you're trying to achieve. The challenge sometimes is turning that into a clear strategy, actionable plan, holding people to account, measuring, you know, the impact, you know, your dashboard, what's working, what's not and why, you know, and looking at yourself in terms of what are the gaps, what's the leadership team gaps, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's, I think Growth Forge will sort of, you know, will, will thrive off the, the sort of passion and the energy in the room but we'll root it in reality of, of hard, strong, solid strategy and, and action. So that's, you know, that's the aim, that's the intention, that's the testing we've been b- doing, building around ScaleUp Up Studio and Startup Studio over the last three or four years. So, yeah, we're really excited about it. And the first growth day is extra Science Park in March. And, um, yeah, we really hope, you know, we get an exciting array of tech companies. Uh, you know, because I think the other thing around this is we want to measure impact. You know, we, we work with the regional government, we, we report international government, we talk to a lot of key stakeholders now. So to measure impact of these kind of interventions, these support programs, what works, what doesn't, you know, is really important as well. We, and the Southwest, a lot of regions haven't been that good at that. You know, so this does feed into the story of growth and prosperity and investments and innovation that, we you know, feeds into like our London showcase later in the year, where we take some of our best growth force companies and most exciting companies to that putting on a sort of national uh, platform. So it all kind of links into that bit as well, which is why Tech Southwest exists, right? You know, we've got to tell a story based in sort of emotional storytelling and narrative about what amazing tech we're building in the Southwest, but we've got to root it in evidence and data of of impact and, and the difference it makes.
1: That's so true. And I mean, besides the fact that it brings in a lot more investment, it brings in a lot more funding from the government, if you're able to show them how it's improved society. And obviously, there's also bits of impact that you wouldn't even realise. You know, you might, I don't know, encourage young girls inadvertently to go into tech without realising that that's what you're doing by creating um, this Growth Forward programme, but you don't know how that's happened. And then you can find the links, all that kind of thing. But Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But also what it means, I think, is that you also then get all these innovative companies that you mentioned. Whereas I always saw the Southwest as a largely a place with, you know, doing tech for good, um, clean, eco, um, farming, agriculture, all that kind of thing, and and health tech. But it didn't really go in that much into AI, AR, and those sorts of industries. Whereas now I feel like it's just it's burgeoning. And and yeah. and it's going to grow more with programs like yours. And if you can measure the impact, and if you can show the links, then more and more companies will will come to the southwest and, and do that there.
4: Definitely. And I think you think about the strands that we've got. You mentioned some of there, and you know, blue and green tech and environmental and health. You know, but across the south coast, you know, Falmouth Uni all the way down to, to across to Bournemouth. You know, amazing sort of creative tech going on, deep tech. Quantum robotics, fintech in Bristol. You know, we've got a really amazing mix, actually, covering many of the kind of the big areas of, of of potential and growth and opportunity and technological advancement as well, of course. So I think, you know, what the strength of this program is, you know, we've got a, a big enough cohort of partners and growth coaches to align companies with them. You know, we could never run 25 different sort of quantum program, the deep tech program, the create tech program. We'd love to, but that's an, another whole thing altogether. But actually, you know, companies are all suffering and, and considering many of the same pain points and opportunities around, you know, what are their strengths, what are the weaknesses, what's the opportunity? What's the threat? It's getting back to basics around that. How do I build my roadmap? How do I take my people with us on that journey? How do we ensure the innovation is actually converting into products that the market need? You know, the research around that, all of that. When a lot of our tech companies, it's small numbers of people in that leadership team scrabbling around trying to do all these things. So we're trying to give them a leg up. We're trying to give them a leg up in terms of that that leadership piece, that strategic piece, because we know companies that get the strategy right and implement it and hold themselves to account or are held to account by a third party are much more likely to achieve success. You know, without the roadmap, how do you know where you're going? So that's what we're going to give these companies and I love the fact that the Southwest has this super mix of all different types of companies in different specialisms and that's one of the things to celebrate around that yes we have kind of clusters and hubs of you know in particular focus but the variety pack that is the Southwest is, is magic you know so let's tap into that and support those companies.
0: Dan Pritchard from Tech Southwest telling us all about their groundbreaking program for both growing and established businesses.
1: If you're ready to take your business to the next level, head over to techsouthwest.co.uk slash growthforge to apply and buckle up for an epic journey.
0: Okay, now it's time to turn our attention back to Bryony Cole and Sophie Caliander. They're gonna tell us more about the importance of raising awareness and the practical application of STEAM subjects in schools.
1: Bryony kicks off things by sharing with us why they were driven to start this incredible venture.
2: We decided that we wanted to approach sort of STEAM in a much more playful way and mm. bring creativity in and for us the A in STEAM is very important we are quite creative and playful people we like to bring the fun into the lessons and I think that's been our point of success mm. so we started Cognition with summer holiday based clubs uh, when children had been out of school for a long time uh, and we wanted them to be able to come together and work collaboratively, but also develop new skills. So things like working with technology, uh, learning some basics of programming, all really important factors that we wanted to bring uh, to, the, to the students in our area. I think anyone who lives in Cornwall and especially where we live in North Cornwall, it's so, so remote. There's quite a lot on offer in terms of outdoors activities, mm, if you like walking, yeah. surfing, swimming there were a few sort of dance clubs. But there's not a lot else on offer for children. And we just wanted to fill the gap in the market initially. That's how we started, just filling that gap as a holiday club.
1: Yeah. And I wonder how has that been received by schools? Because I know now you do work in schools. And I wonder if you've had to do a lot of, I don't know, education about the importance of this. Because I've also worked with schools. And I found that they find this... Well, first of all, they don't have the funding for it. But secondly, Mm. they also find the concept quite difficult, even teachers who say that they're into play therapy and they're into uh, cognition, learning, et cetera, they still find the um, application quite tough to do.
3: Yeah, so, Sophie speaking, um, we, we've we got a mixed response. I think we've got schools that are really keen and really passionate about the subject, and they're the ones that contact us initially and um, are keen for us to go in. We'll try and find the money and the budget, um, etc. cetera. Um, we kind of started going to schools because one of the parents of a child that came to our first holiday club went back to their school and was talking to the head teacher about how amazing it was over the summer and then that head teacher contacted us um, and it kind of all started from there really Um, and she was a big advocate of ours Um, so it's really nice I think there are some really passionate head teachers out there who are really keen to get STEAM-based learning, but also fun, playful learning back into the curriculum. But obviously they've got to do it within the confines of the current curriculum
2: demands as well. One other thing that works quite well for us um, is the ability to offer PPA cover. So um, for those that aren't in education, PPA cover, this is Bryony talking, sorry. PPA (laughs) cover uh, is the planning, preparation and administration time that uh, teachers are entitled to within their scheduled timetable. And it's been a relatively common feat over the last 10 years to have PE teachers Mm -hmm. come in, uh, PE specialists come in and run sports, potentially music specialists coming in as well in some schools, and they'll take the children off and teach their subject specialisms uh, very well, and it will release the class teacher for that time. So one of the things we've managed to do is go in and run a similar Type thing, but for computing uh, within the primary curriculum. And and so that's actually worked really well for us mm. as a business model.
0: Cornwall has pockets of extreme deprivation. It's one of the things that if you're outside the county, you're not always aware of until you're there and you're working in there. How have you been able to reach some of the children who might have found uh, accessing this kind of knowledge difficult within, a, within the school system?
3: Sophie speaking, I think one of the reasons why we want to go into schools is to try and get that wide range of children so that everybody can get an equal access to what we're offering but also when we do our holiday clubs we offer free school meal places to families of children who are finding times difficult at the moment and we get that we either sponsor those places ourselves or we get funding from various places to help fund that as well because one of the things we are very keen to do is to make sure it's equal access to everybody for everybody.
1: And tell us what the practical application of your sessions is like. What what's it look like?
2: (laughs) Um, So it varies depending on where we are. Uh, So we do a lot of work from all the way through, I mean, up Mm -hmm. until September, I was working in nurseries. So our youngest pupils were two. Yeah. And our oldest pupils, well, 16, yes, 16 to 18 year olds really. And we have run some sessions Well, we've hopefully got some sessions in the pipeline for adults. So that's been really special to us to work with that broad spectrum of learner. So our sessions can look very different from, from sitting and singing <laughs> and uh, and playing parachute games and logic games and, and working with Duplo and uh, things like the Lego Education Coding Express. I actually used to teach Spanish with the Coding Express lessons and look at conditional clauses and conditional statements with a Spanish lesson. So that was very varied with two to three-year-olds in the secondary schools our sessions are a lot more practical and hands-on for example yesterday i was running a cyber security lesson based around a lego safe where we were looking at first of all conditional statements again actually and (laughs) then looking at compound conditional statements to try and keep our safes even safer and locking them in different ways Uh, they take the form of workshop based lesson where we'll introduce students build up the problems and at the end of this particular workshop uh, we were trying to hack into each other's safes to gain chocolate coins. And that's a workshop that we've developed alongside uh, GCHQ, Bude, and the National Center for Cybersecurity. Uh, so that was been a, a really great one. In a day-to-day lesson in a school, well, Sophie, what did you do yesterday? Today, so I was in a school
3: uh, with a year four class and we were making fairground rides. We were looking at broadcasting messages and trying to get your ride as exciting as possible. So adding kind of lights and motors uh, and sounds and getting the children to think about who can access the ride and giving time for people to get on the ride and off the ride. But one of the things we are really keen to do towards the end of the lesson, because you're building with Lego, children can get really creative with it. And we want to give the children time to show what they've done, particularly with the younger children. So um, we always make sure they have time to kind of show off what they've done as well, because they're really proud of what they've done. And what they've created in the session which is really nice
1: just sounds really really cute and how long is a session depends on what the school have
2: booked our our sessions the year four one that Sophie was Mm. describing yesterday they fall within a school timetable and they're a standard lesson length of 60 minutes yeah we can also offer half day and full day workshops uh to schools our holiday club sessions run for an entire day so we want to be as helpful as possible to working parents so we'll run for the length of a school day in the school holidays and that allows us to really dive a little bit deeper Mm. into some topics
0: to hear you talking about the lesson and you can visualize it and you can feel it and you can almost kind of experience it just through the just through the words you're using and the and the, the the pictures you're painting what do you think it would take for that to be the norm in a school around these subjects rather than the exception
3: oh I would love that to happen that's kind of my background is very much play-based learning I started um this is Sophie talking by the way um I started in early years in reception so my whole philosophy on education is all around play-based learning and being creative and being independent learners um and it kind of gets lost in the system a little bit so doing what we do and being able to go into a secondary school and watch 13 year olds who usually are a little sullen shall we say get very involved and excited and playful in their learning again is really lovely Um, whether it will become the norm i don't know (laughs) what do you think (laughs)
0: Bernie?
2: i i don't think anyone can underestimate the challenges that face our schools at the moment and I mean, every single school we go into, the the teachers are wonderful people mm, yeah. working really, really hard for the benefit of their students. I think a lot of teachers would, would love mm. to be able to be a little more creative and to have the budget to integrate uh, some of this into their classrooms. Uh, and actually, we are seeing we are seeing some some really positive changes, mm. and and I do think there are schools that are really actively trying to 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 go down these routes, not necessarily because of what we're doing, but just because of the teacher passions mm. and general education sort of discourse at the moment. But there are so many challenges facing schools in terms of budget, time constraints, rigorous assessment systems, standardized testing. Uh, And and everything else that goes alongside it, as well as all the other implications that come in, uh, in terms of helping helping students with their mental health and underestimating the recovery from COVID for these Mm. students has been been enormous. The number of schools we go into where at the start of our sessions, the students do not want to work in pairs. They will not even Mm. consider working in a pair or a group. Yeah and we can always pinpoint those as being students that were maybe in reception during the covid years or at sort of maybe going into year 7 in, in the covid years and they didn't have that time to to work collaboratively and it is is improving i think i mm-hmm. think it's hopefully becoming more positive
1: yeah it might also be because I mean I I always had to work in pairs and in teams at university and in secondary mm. school and hated it because I always ended up doing most of the work so yeah. Yeah, that might be part of the reason um, so I mean I'm just saying <laughs> those poor yeah. I feel for them I feel for them yeah. but the other thing is I also wonder um, you know it does sound like from everything you're saying is that we need some government collaborations you know to help. With funding etc but also we need education in schools and not just in Cornwall not just in the southwest everywhere I wonder if that's the next step for you guys where do you (laughs) see stuff going with this
2: yeah take over the world (laughs) (laughs) Um, this Bryony speaking I mean I think our number one thing is bringing bringing opportunities to children who may not have them and uh, you know we have seen phenomenal growth in our area and for example for us um, being first lego league hosts mm, yeah it's been it's been massive for, you know a huge game changer so first lego league is the largest international stem competition and i wanted to enter a team when i was a primary school teacher with my year sixes and our, our nearest local event at the time was plymouth but that was oversubscribed or up to bristol and it was you know, the idea of getting primary school children onto a bus down in time, you'd have to leave at about six in the morning, and it became unfeasible even for a passionate teacher. So we've seen a growth. We became North Cornwall and Devon regional hosts uh, in 2021, yeah. and we've seen a growth from three teams to, in the pandemic to five teams <laughs> yeah. in 2022. 20, uh, we had 11 teams in 2023, and we have now got 24 teams registered for 2024. So we've seen amazing growth in these sectors. Mm. And I think that's what we'd like to, that's what we'd like to grow and develop, is really just continuing to offer opportunities, taking on larger contracts to deliver competitions, uh, to facilitate and increase engagement across, across schools, and also make it more accessible for them. One of the things that we've worked really hard to do is to run free training and professional development and that's been sponsored by some of our corporate partners for teachers to give them the confidence and the skills to undertake things like first lego league which Mm -hmm. can be quite apprehensive about and so we'll go in and we'll help the teams get started run their first few sessions support the teachers on call and and now some of our teams are that's allowed us to grow because we've able to do that so perhaps even upskilling those teachers could be a way forward yeah and supporting them
1: that sounds amazing, guys. So tell me about your work with tech businesses. We started working with GCHQ Bute How many years ago now? 2021. 2021. Wow, that's a long
3: time. And uh, we supported them with their outreach program. Um, so they were keen to work with us and try and get them. They're already, they already had an outreach program, but they wanted to kind of make it a bit more accessible um, across the year groups as well. Um, so we started working with them. Which has been really lovely collaboration between us, um, and we've been able to uh, support lots of local children through the sponsorship of GCHQ Bude, and then through First Lego League, we have been working with Celtic Sea Power,
2: yeah, yeah, for the floating offshore wind development. So some engineering firms have come on board, and locally in Bude, um, Bot Limited, who are bot engineering, uh, they've also sponsored some local teams. This. corporate collaboration has been absolutely fantastic for us because it's allowed us to as you said like the funding into schools it's allowed us to really get into that uh, into that sector and to offer schools something uh, that's been funded by businesses in our local community which really means a lot our corporate outreach as well allows us to bridge the gap we've obviously got the educational backgrounds where we can design projects and we can design outreach schemes that Fit really well with what people want and the outcomes they want. So, for example, we had we were approached by Cornwall Council last year to design lessons that they could run for National Armed Forces Day using LEG Education kits. So we designed one based around submarine communication, and one based around sort of rescue and uh, humanitarian uh, response from the army to rehoming people in flood situations. So. We love designing these workshops that really bring about the key outcomes that corporate companies might want to might want to make, but making them accessible to children as well, and making them fun, making them engaging. And so I see us as a bridge that crosses the gap between what the companies want to tell students about what they do and the careers that are on offer and the opportunities that are on offer, especially in the Southwest and actually delivering that in schools and to to children of a variety of different ages and students across the education system. And that's something we are really proud, really proud of.
1: Thank you, Sophie Caliander and Bryony Cole from Cognition Learning. They really are the superheroes of STEAM education in Cornwall, making learning an absolute blast.
0: And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and sticking with us. Remember, hit that subscribe button on the Southwest Tech Daily podcast, whatever you're listening, so you never miss an episode.
1: Yes, please. And don't forget to connect with us at Daily on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I mean, X. It just doesn't have the same ring to it.
0: But it does mark the spot. So until <laughs> next time, thanks for being with us. And we will see you next month. Bye.
1: Bye. You're listening to the Southwest Tech Daily podcast with Robert Hillier and Fayaza Khan.